Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's guest, very, very special guest, the owner of Oakwin Brokerage in Greater Vancouver. One of the more high-tech, up-to-date, let's go, brokerages in Greater Vancouver. Really, really cool dude. He uh, has a really cool real estate story, and he is great and powerful. Michael, you. I want to continue this podcast talk because it's so much fun. Sure. The uh, the cool thing about podcasts is you don't need to spend a lot of money to start. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And we actually did a podcast early days, man. That was probably like a year and a half ago. Right. Like how to start a podcast. It was just oh, okay. me talking to Carl being like, okay, well, where yeah. do you get the mics from? So Which your mics? guests didn't show up and then you... <laughs> Carl, you're the guest. <laughs> Carl, think fast. Go. Right. Yeah, I had a few of those. Right. Yeah. Did you do it all yourself at the beginning? Um, so yeah, I started. Uh, so basically, our company Oakwin um, started a, a podcast. Um, you know, just a couple of years ago. But before that, I just wanted to make sure that I enjoyed it because I've gotten so much uh, value from from listening to podcasts and. And I just enjoy them so much. You know, as realtors, we just like sit in the car, like day, pretending to work all day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's good to kind of like, so podcasts are just kind of like my passenger in the car so that I wouldn't have to like wrestle with my demons or whatever. So, um, <laughs> so like I basically, yeah. So I started uh, my own podcast called the Michael U podcast. It's now defunct, but I think you can still find it somewhere. Um, and basically, um, yeah, we started that. I started that and I wanted to do like one year of that to make sure that we actually enjoyed it. So first started just on my iPhone, um, you know, with the voice word message recorder. And I was kind of just putting up episodes and stuff like that. And then, and then uh, leveled up to, a, I just kind of like Googled podcast startup gear. So I got a blue, blue Yeti mic and then I got like road, the road gear and stuff like that. And we were just talking, Carl was just saying that uh, he's a bit of a gearhead. So you guys got the good stuff here. <laughs> I was like, I thought we were going to talk, be talking to your iPhone. <laughs> Denny. Carl, yeah. uh, even early days, yeah. Carl really cares about audio quality. Yeah, totally. And he's got me to care so much about it. And it's so interesting now, like been doing this for almost three years. Yeah. And obviously paying attention to audio a lot. Right. In the last couple of years. Listening to other podcasts that have poor mics or poor audio is so challenging. Yeah. And you almost discredit it immediately. Or people are at different levels, right? There's so many factors and it's just, it's so hard to get through. Yeah. Even just like the static of the poor mics or whatever. If you turn slightly yes. away the yeah. poor mics, you don't even hear any, anything anymore. My, my biggest thing for the longest time was, was bleeding. So like his voice would be picked up by your mic and then right. you would get this echoing thing. Oh, right. That's what happens when you get cheap mics. Yeah, and these made it a lot better. Yeah, so the plug for sure. I'm sure we'll be <laughs> sponsored by them soon. <laughs> the Sure mics are just like awesome. They're yeah. just incredible, and yeah, they uh, make you sound silky smooth. It it's, sound silky smooth. It's funny <laughs> as soon as we moved to these. This we've probably had these for a year and a half, maybe something like that. Yeah, I had not, a bunch of comments like, "Man, the audio is so good. It sounds like a real professional podcast." Right. Hey, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. My, the audio quality that I had at the, you know, with my own podcast was very poor. And that's everyone was just like, I, you know, some people were just like, I can't listen to this, this is garbage. And I was like, well, <laughs> I just want to see that I actually enjoy doing them. And I yeah. didn't kind of put it together for an audience and we didn't, I didn't edit them. 
Um, my kind of, I'm not a tech guy at all. So my assistant kind of just like put them up every week and, and I just wanted to make sure that I, I enjoyed doing it yeah. for like a test, like kind of tested it out, tested the waters a bit. And, um, and then, yeah, it's, so that it's been good. So our, our Oakland podcast, I think Carl mentioned that it's at 87 episodes now. Not bad. Sydney Crosby's number. Yeah. <laughs> People ask me always, how, how do you, how do you even start the podcast? Like, where do you post it? And my answer is, I have no idea. <laughs> right. Has Carl like, been with you since? Yeah, Carl uh, knows. Yeah. Day one, yeah. yeah. Here's Carl's email. You can email him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, we got, we have uh, a, our version of Carl. Yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah. uh, and they all have beards, actually. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, That's you guys so have like a Leonidas thing going on. <laughs> um, and yeah, so basically, uh, yeah, so we have our version of Carl, which uh, his name's Brayden. His company's called Podfather Creative. I don't want to, you know, and he's, uh, he, so he was a music producer and he put, he transitioned fully now just to do podcasts. Cool. Uh, I think we were his first or second podcast that he was producing. So yeah, kind of cool. I really love the medium though. I think it's really good. So obviously you've enjoyed doing them and you started the Oakland one. What is the Oakland one for? Is that like showcasing other realtors? Is it, what is it? Right. So the intention of that podcast is, um, is basically giving really valuable information for agents that, uh, have been in the business for a while or are getting started in the business to get to know a little bit about our culture as a company, but also, um, you know, some tips, tricks, and uh, like, what do they call it? Valuetainment <laughs> or what are they, infotainment or whatever. So that sure. it's, you know, so that basically um, it can, you know, they can kind of learn in a fun way. So um, yeah, so it's, it's been pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's been surprising in terms of, uh, how it's um, benefited uh, our brokerage um, to, you know, agents kind of come in, they kind of know what to expect in terms of like, um, you know, our, uh, like our, our core values and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So it's good. Totally. Yeah. It's really interesting how, like, and if realtors that are listening to this kind of stuff are not putting themselves out there on social media platforms and things like podcasts, I would strongly recommend getting comfortable with one of these mediums. It doesn't have to be every single one, but sure. one of them. Because we have the same, ex you're talking about your brand and open right. and, and attracting talent and mm -hmm. re high producing realtors to the brand. It's the same with clients in our business. Yeah. People listening to the podcast now, like people that call us, we always ask, you know, where do you hear about us? Thanks for calling, whatever it is. And it's so funny that it's like a laundry list of items now. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we've been following you on social media. You provide a lot of value for new buyers and whatever, whatever, whatever through right. the industry. And we listen to the podcast and we get a lot of value out of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's uh, really cool to see. I'm seven and a half years into real estate now. Right. At the beginning of my career. They're a young buck still. <laughs> Thank, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. I feel like a seasoned vet, man. Oh, man. I feel like one I'm of those kidding. old grizzly guys. Yeah. You know? Back in my day, yeah. we didn't have podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we listened to the radio. <laughs> it is, it is kind of cool, though, when I started. I started in 2014 right. that most realtors were not using social media very well, if no, at no, all. Not at all. Podcasts weren't really very popular yet. Right. Right. So all of this new stuff has just kind of evolved. And I feel like it's kind of fun to be at the beginning of it with our industry anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, to embrace, uh, you know, to embrace changes, to embrace new technology, um, you know, is, 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 is a really, you know, important, is an important thing to do for, for businesses. But again, I think um, it circles back to what you enjoy doing and what, what's going to kind of 
relate to your strengths mm-hmm. in a sense. So I like doing podcasts because I'm no uh, runway model. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I like having, you know, great conversations with people and, um, and kind of that's what we like, that's kind of our, my method for, yeah. for social media. But I, I know what you're saying in terms of creating, um, when you talk to about your clients kind of seeking you in a, in a variety of different, uh, uh, platforms. Um, you know, we call it at, at our company, creating a communication ecosystem. So basically, uh, you know, where people are living, you know, they're living, um, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, through their podcast in the car. Um, they, you know, if you, if you get a phone call from Denny or James or anyone in the team or a text or an email and, you know, and live and, you know, you know, sending a mail or something like that. So you want to create kind of a, um, like, what do they call it? A multi-platform kind of experience. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. Because so you good. don't know what people, what a potential client is going to use, right? Right. Like a lot of people are starting to listen to more podcasts, which is great. I think it's a really cool, informal, long form conversation where you can actually explain things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Instagram is a 30 second, 60 second clip where you're trying right. to shove a ton of information into like 16 words, right? <laughs> exactly. Just trying yeah. to throw something out of like multiple microwave. offers in like 20 seconds, you know, right. go. Yeah. Right? Versus like you can actually explain the nuances of a realistic situation in your industry if if that's the type of podcast you want to go after or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And it gives you a chance to show your personality. Yeah, totally. And people fall in love with your personality. Yeah, right? or like, they bitterly hate you, right? <laughs> hey, and that, Which like, is what you've experienced is. We're not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it, it's that it's that it is the kind of creation of, uh, of, I like the long format because that's when I feel like I really get to know uh, somebody and, yeah. and, you know, you can go in depth. Um, whereas I think the culture now is, is really um, in, in a lot of ways, like very microwave, very kind of like, you know, seven second, like vine, like mm-hmm. vines. And even like, I love YouTube and stuff like that, but you know, everyone wants a one minute video and stuff like that, or a two minute video, but yeah. it's, you know, it's hard to kind of, um, uh, you know, really get to know someone and try to, you know, pick up their, you know, their, uh, their personality and their values and stuff like that. And I feel like podcast is a good way of doing that. Yeah. As you can probably tell, I'm pretty obsessed with the platform too, because I right. now have three podcasts and we've done it for yeah. three years. What I love so much about it is it is real life conversation that is not put on in any way, not edited, not, it's not a production. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like so many other mediums right now, and so like, obviously Instagram, we use pretty heavily in our business and personally. Sure. But even like the new, the real section of Instagram, it just seems like everyone's trying to put on a show. Yeah. Right? It, it's like a production. I, I agree. And it's not my personality. You talk about like going after your strengths and to me, it's like real life situations and explaining how you kind of work yeah. through that nuanced situation in a contract, in a conversation with a client or whatever. Yeah. I f- I, I agree with you. And I feel like, you know, just, and I've been uh, grappling with the idea of, uh, you know, social media and, and kind of that, because it is a new medium and that type of uh, addiction elements of it. And, mm. and also, um, you know, the forms of like comparison and toxicity that occur when you're, you know, scrolling through Instagram yourself or Facebook, yeah. I, I, we're all human beings. We can't help but feel a bit um, kind of of that, you know, hey, this, 
Denny's got like nice abs or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I gotta work out. Uh, so, uh, by the way, yeah, I'm just kidding. You've been working out, I can tell. Um, so, you know, but I feel like the audience and the people that listen to podcasts are really like your big advocates. They're kind of like, they bought in. They're, there's less of that comparison. Like, I feel at least there's less mm-hmm. of that comparison and it's a bit more of a, um, uh, like a deeper level of of relationship in yeah. a sense, and so yeah, so I, I've been grappling with that as well because um, I was uh, uh, like <laughs> embarrassingly emailing uh, uh, Denny to say like, "Hey, shit," because I, I just had a kid. <laughs> I was like, "I don't know if I can make it out, Denny. Can we zoom this?" Because like you know, I'm trying to spend more time at home, but uh, I'm like, should I expose her to social media? Should I expose like a a child to to this like powerful medium because it's more pervasive than like the television and the Mm. television was pretty like I was hooked on TV when I was a kid Um, so I'm like man I I don't and like I'm not sure what uh, you know and we're 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 just conflicted right now about whether or not to have screens at home and stuff like that so I don't know I don't have any kids yep so I'm along I can tell by your plays (laughs) okay for those of you that are listening and not watching on whatever YouTube or whatever this is um uh, Denny's place. I'm gonna like describe it to you. <laughs> is like it, it very like <laughs> it's very minimalist. I'll take which that. is good. Uh, it it is Spartan. I can. I my guess is that he didn't choose his stuff. <laughs> Did you choose? All his, oh, all. you chose it all. Oh. oh, okay. Wow. So, but it is it is very minimalistic, and I can tell no one has ever touched that stove to use. Hey, <laughs> that's you like not to true. Oh clean. no, do you like to go? Oh, you just clean. I mostly use the barbecue to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I will nice slightly place. defend myself. Okay. <laughs> I've been here since February. Okay. We have had a really busy year, so yeah, totally. let's. I may put some blame on that, but. I do intend to buy a couple more pieces of furniture. Right, right now, my TV is standing, is sitting on <laughs> a $60 Ikea table that I stained myself at <laughs> oh, my wow. first place in 2012 when I bought my first condo in New West. Cool. I bought that Ikea table, put it together myself. Didn't like the color, so I went to Walmart and stained it. <laughs> and I feel like that thing <laughs> is going to live with me forever. Yeah. Wow. But I need to put the TV yeah, on that, something. That's an heirloom. That, that goes from generation to generation mm. in the Dumas... <laughs> family i yeah. haven't found like a nice tv stand thing that i like mm-hmm. and i've searched a bunch of times yeah and i got this ikea table so i can be selective yeah <laughs> i you know what like i just i despise shopping like i just I hate know. shopping i hate shopping for anything i just hate clothes and so like for me i i like my wife does it all now but even before when i was a you know a, a bachelor i got an interior designer buy everything <laughs> like i had um uh, like you know, obviously, when I first started, I I didn't have the ability to to hire people, but you know, later on, I I had like someone that was like did all my clothes shopping and 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 everything, yeah, because I just hate it so much. Just lose patience in the. That's very interesting. Room. Yeah, <clears throat> that's very interesting. I want to ask you about that. Sure. On my my first comment though was. This summer, I went to Metrotown. Right. <laughs> and I spent like, I think I spent nine, 900 or 1000 bucks on clothes. And my girlfriend looks at me, she's like, wow, that was a good day for you. I was like, yeah, that means I don't have to come back for two years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> there's like a couple pairs of jeans, t-shirts, a hoodie. You're like, well, I needed a few new things and now I don't have to come back anymore. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You just stock up. Yeah. 
Like, don't try anything on. It's like, it looks like it fits. Yeah, <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs> That's great. How long have you been with your girlfriend for? Probably going to listen to this. So I should say the right <laughs> number. Uh, just over two years. Two years? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. Um, how was the, um, how was the, like, how did you guys meet? What was the whole, what was the story? An interesting story. Yeah. My, so her family's from the island. Right. My it doesn't start with swiping, okay? <laughs> no. My sister lives on the island with her family, two okay. kids and her husband. My sister's a personal trainer. Okay. My sister has trained Jordan. Jordan's my girlfriend's name. Jordan right. and her family for like a couple of years. Oh, cool. And so she made a connection. Oh, okay. So with very, your sister. Very old school. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's like an arranged. So how, how was the first like... What was the first meeting like? I had just broken up with a previous girlfriend like a few right, weeks so on before the rebound, or something. Got it. <laughs> and my She's sister, like, Moni, yeah, sends, me like text, sends me a text. Sends me a photo. <laughs> <laughs> she literally just sent me a photo of a girl, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, who's that? Like, what is this? Who yeah. is this? She's like, it's Jordan. You should meet her. She's got a really nice family. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. And so... I didn't want my sister to set me up. So I just messaged Jordan. I found Jordan on Instagram okay. <laughs> and messaged her. Yeah. I was like, hey, apparently Monty's trying to set us up. I've never met you before. Anyway, that's how it started. Wow, that's great. So we chatted so for a few Is that your days. big sister, little sister? Big. So yeah. I... Yeah, you come from a family. big family, right? I have yeah, five Denny. siblings. Whoa, so there's six of you. Yeah. The big. I have four older siblings and the four together have 15 children. Whoa, so I have shit. 15 nieces and nephews. My dad is one of 11. Wow. I have 54 first cousins on my dad's side. Yeah. Is, Jeez. That, is that big? You said that's, you had a big that's, family. That's huge. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's bigger than, that, that's bigger than me. Yeah. So I have, uh, um, there's five of us. So in total for my brothers and sisters yeah. and my dad um, came from a family of five and each of those kids had five kids of oh, their man. own, um, except for one who is gay, <laughs> which, and I, and it's my uncle Frank and we love uncle Frank. Um, so yeah. And so, um, yeah. And I grew up in a big family. I'm the middle child. So we're, we have both had middle child syndrome. So we are just ignored. So that's yep. why we need to talk on podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> so right? I, <laughs> I was a really quiet, shy kid. Yeah. So I feel like this is my revenge. Oh yeah. Now really? Why, why was talk that? For hour. I don't know. I don't know. I was always like, uh, a little bit introverted as a kid. Okay. I was very obsessed with sports. Okay. And so sports. In sports, I didn't have to talk to people, mm. right? Like trying to, basketball was the thing that I was obsessed with. Okay. And I played in university for a couple of years. Oh, wow. So you got up there. But I was obsessed. Like Car me and Carl went to high school together. Carl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You so probably you guys were on the team. You probably mm -hmm. saw that Carl's 6'8". Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> so you played basketball with us. Right. He, uh, I'm shocked that Carl is still my friend. Really? I harassed the <laughs> shit out of him in high school, <laughs> trying to get him to come to like gym with me every morning at 6. Oh, really? Yeah. He says harass, I say make me better. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, it was yeah. harassment though. <laughs> so you guys would go hit the gym like before, the, uh, before school started? I was in the gym probably every day before school from grade 10, 11, 12. Wow. Is your whole family like that? Because your sister's a personal trainer. Cool story. Yeah. So there's six kids in my family. Right. All six played university athletics. Wow. That's good stock. You have a good constitution. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. It's funny because my dad's like 5'7". Oh, really? And my mom's 5'5". Five five. Wow. So they're like very oh, so, short. But yeah, what happened? I don't know. I, I'm Skipped a generation. like 6'2". 
Yeah. yeah my grandfather's six two six three. Oh, okay. Or what yeah, it was. Yeah. So maybe I got here. And you were born know. here or were you born? Yeah. I was born on the island in Victoria. Oh, on the island in Victoria? Okay. Yeah. Sweet. But we my family moved over here when I was in kindergarten. Oh, okay. Early. Yeah. But where are they from originally? Like, what's their kind of... So my dad... What's is... Dumas? Like, what is Dumas? Is it... It's Dumas. Dumas? It's French. Ah, oh, it's French. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why dad... you're so rude. They're... No, I'm, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. And that's why I'm cheap. I do interrupt people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. My dad's dad is French. My dad's mom is Irish. Oh, okay. And my mom is 100% Polish. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was my first time in Europe a few years ago. I never visited Europe um, and yeah, I just, I became really fascinated with like all the different cultures and stuff totally. like that. And yeah, I visited a, a few of the countries there. That's really cool. Yeah. Carl's family is hundred percent Polish. Oh yeah. Straight from Europe. Yeah. Pure stock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why do you like doing renos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a, a couple, I have a few Polish family clients and they, they like, they, they love the, you know, in my experience with. Uh, you know, they just renovate, they love their home, love the family and yeah. All Constru- construction business right here. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a, a lot, lot of blood. pride in their homes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. European, any Europeans, it seems right. like, regardless of, it, they did a reno 17 years ago yeah. and it is the greatest reno of all time to this day. Most really? of, And it still looks the same, right? No, 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 no. no. Just I'm generally. just saying like European clients. Yeah. You know those people. Right, yeah, There's yeah. like 65-year-old, like, Croatian they couple. everything, like, they, mint. <laughs> they changed the countertop 46 years ago, and it is the best countertop in 2021. Right. Yeah. right. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but you mentioned you were introverted before, and mm-hmm. then what, what, how did you kind of break it? Like, was that something always the same way? Or? I learned that the world does not... <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? The oh, world you? does not give to the introverted people. Oh, okay. You need to be more introverted to grow. Extroverted. You need to be more extroverted to grow. Right. Correct. So I forced it upon myself. Mm-hmm. So what did you do when to I force start, it? Like when, how did you realize that? Real estate like, was huge for me. So I'd say the first, I, when I was 19 to about 25, I worked in like, I bartended and worked in restaurants. Okay. That kind of pushed me originally out of my shell. Mm-hmm. You have to talk to people. Right, right. <laughs> people well, yeah, say to the obviously. bar, you have to talk to them, yeah. right? And you kind of get comfortable and like understand that, hmm, people are weird, right? Mm-hmm. There's, I think there was a big thing growing up, maybe in a very conservative family, like very Catholic family. Okay. That, that your family. Was, yeah. Yeah. That like authority, you need to respect authority. And if older people talk to you, they know more than you. And so it was just like bred into your head right. that if someone's older, they know more. So I was young. I didn't know a damn thing versus mm-hmm. getting into pubs and like talking to people. No one knows anything. Mm-hmm. That's that, like one of my life philosophies now is no one knows what they're doing. We're all trying to figure it out. Right. So I think that kind of got me out of the insecurity of like watching everything I did and oh my God, they're judging right. me for this. So that kind of helped me get out mm-hmm. of that. And then real estate just like exponentially grew that yeah and it was like social media really helped me to be honest oh did it instagram was a huge help when i started in real estate in 2014 with Mm -hmm. jamie i would not do a property video right i would just start sweating (laughs) (laughs) so jamie's like here you do the you do the one clip the mic on your shirt whatever yeah like dude i can't do it you're better than me just do it right anyway so instagram got more popular 
I started using stories and mm -hmm. I just told myself I had to talk in front of the camera for 15 seconds for right. one story four times a week. Mm, okay. And after six months, I was like, man, this is so easy. This disappears mm -hmm. after 24 hours. It doesn't yeah. matter what I say. And also no one is watching. So who cares? <laughs> right. <laughs> and of course the, like you have a following and yeah. people watch and whatever. Right. But it's good to kind of get that in your mind so that you don't worry about perfectionism or anything. Get like it that. out of your head. I think like uh, so many people care so much about what other people think. And the reality is nobody cares about you. <laughs> right? It's just right. the reality. Yeah. Right. If you say something dumb on Instagram, someone yeah. will watch it and be like, ah, swipe to the next one. Yeah. Anyway. So that was kind of like my progression, let's right. say, of. So there wasn't like a trauma or a turning point. It was just kind of like, uh, like it was more of an evolution. I think so. Yeah. I think I just told myself I had to be better. Like I, I started being what I thought was pretty good and as a realtor mm -hmm. in the first couple of years, but I was so uncomfortable in front of a camera. Sure. And I just thought that was what was going to help our brand grow longer right. term. And it was almost like a business decision, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I got to be better at this. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. Do so more did you? It. And so that was just exposing yourself and experience and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable, I think. Yeah. So you didn't take, did you take any classes? Did you take any? This no. is my class, man. Oh yeah? This is the, cool, <laughs> this is the coolest thing about yeah. 2021. <laughs> sure. Is I am a firm believer that formal education sucks. Oh, I agree. For, <laughs> yeah, there, there <laughs> For a lot of things, yeah. right? If you need to be a doctor, like you need right. to learn the things that you're actually going to use. You don't see the shaman? <laughs> but for like 90% of people getting a regular bachelor's degree yeah. means absolutely nothing in your right. career totally yeah yeah anyway so yeah. I think this thing that everyone mm -hmm. has access to now is just like the greatest form of education of all time whether it's listening to podcasts whether it's watching mm -hmm. YouTube videos yeah just like self-educating and I think I just kind of took that upon myself that's that's awesome and I think you know, it's, it is a, it's always a quest to improve yourself and get better mm -hmm. and, um, you know, think about what you're weak at or what you need and what's, uh, what's required of you and kind of, um, you know, turn your interest towards that way. Even if it's like not your natural instinct, cause even for myself, uh, with, um, same as you, I would say, um, we have a lot of similarities. Um, um, uh, you're taller than me though um, <laughs> and you're good at sports i was good at chess uh, so yeah i wish i was good yeah. at chess. <laughs> so um yeah um but for me i think once i knew that i needed to kind of break out of my shell and you know i had to do more community like i wasn't a very strong communicator so to learn how to do that mm -hmm. um you know i took i did i i kind of went outside of the box i took a lot of I did a lot of non-formal education, but I would like look at, you know, the local colleges, uh, like brochure. So I, there's a college uh, in Vancouver called Langara College. Um, That's where Carl played basketball. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, what's the what's the mascot for Langara? It's a falcon. A falcon. So we're, we're both falconeers. <laughs> falcon uh, alumni. I yeah. wish we could do like a, like a car or something. <laughs> like, oh, you're like, you're a car, car, car. But um, yeah, so they have like this, you know, uh, we're, I, I live reasonably close by there and they would send these like adult education continuing study type of books around. And I picked one up and I, I took 
like a, like a communications course and a public speaking course. And then I took um, Toastmasters, um, uh, which I did a full, I think I did a year of that. And then I took a, an improv class. I took a singing class. I took, I mean, well, lots of improv classes, lots of singing classes, um, lots of, um, uh, and I, I did stand-up comedy class. Yeah. So this was just a personal effort to like be more extroverted? Yeah, to learn how to communicate better yeah. and to speak in front of people and not be so nervous yeah. and, and do things like podcasting, which yeah. I like. I love listening to podcasts and I wanted to participate. But, you know, obviously kind of like, you know, you have your fears of, oh my gosh, like no one's going to, first no one's going to listen to like, you know, I'm going to stumble and be terrible and, you know, not be able to carry a conversation. Well, and I, and I really had a struggle carrying conversations previously, like that was a big problem with me because I would ask like, how are you? And they'd be like, I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I got nothing left. <laughs> so, so like, you know, learning how to communicate effectively uh, using tonality and kind of different types of stuff. Cause I used to speak in a very like monotone. And so, uh, and I had a life coach that said, you speak so monotone. Really? You need to like go to a voice class. It's funny because like, I think I speak monotone. No. You have a deep voice, but I don't think you speak monotone. Huh. Yeah. It's funny when I watch like Instagram stories back when I'm talking, I feel like, man, it put zero emotion into that. This is literally <laughs> what goes on in my head. Like, <laughs> I think we're our own greatest critic though. 100%. We're our own like, you know, no one's paying attention. Like, it's funny. I'm like, oh man, I, I could have done this better, but everyone's just like, that was great. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Can you be a successful introverted realtor? <clears throat> Danny, you want to? I'm going to say yes to realtor and mm -hmm. no to business owner. So, Interesting. <clears throat> I, I think real estate is such a strange industry that there, there's so many different people that can do really, really well in this industry. There are so many different people in our society that are buying and selling homes that are going to be attracted to a different personality. And I think there's a lot of people out there in greater Vancouver that are not attracted to me and my personality. And that's totally fine because I, I am who that. I am. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's clients that will come through like open houses or showings of our listings that the realtors just have very different personalities. And I can see that that client just matches with that personality. And it's so much about, our job is so much about like the relationship and trust the client has in you. And if your personalities don't jive, often it's very difficult to build that relationship and trust. So there's but no say, right As an individual yeah. realtor, yes. Makes sense. As I think of myself now and me and Jamie more as like, we're running a business. We, yes, we sell real estate, but our business is like marketing and selling real estate. Mm -hmm. So to run the business, I think you need to, I think you need to have some sort of um, outgoing personality trait that attracts people to the business. And if you're introverted, it's tough. Yeah. What are you? What do you think? I, I, I hate to disagree with Denny, but I, I actually do believe that you can be, uh, like have an introverted characteristics and, and still, uh, you know, be successful in entrepreneurship or be successful as a, as an agent specifically. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the focus has to be different. I think it would have to be, um, 
uh, you know, really, for example, it, when it comes to being a real estate agent, um, uh, really building that those deep relationships with mm. people um, versus many surface relationships with building. I, I have an agent in the office who I worked with very, very closely um, when we first got started. And he was struggling to get his business off the ground. And he was a very introverted guy. Um, and he was trying to do open houses and he was trying to be something that he definitely was not. And, um, and he won't mind me sharing the story, but, uh, you know, just learn more about him. And I got to know him better. And I said, Hey, you know what? Um, you, you need to really focus on building these deep relationships and you know, a lot of people, but you're not reaching out to them and trying to become, uh, greater friends and allies and, and you, you're not supporting their businesses. So why should they support yours type of thing? And so what he did is he built really deep uh, relationships with several of his, uh, you know, friends from high school and uh, from college. And he would go for lunch with them. He would take them for coffee. And then there was a, there's like, he just started. And then we talked about, okay, we need to take, spend the extra mile. And like, we need to crush and have an amazing experience with these clients. Yeah. So give them great opportunities to purchase properties purchase investment properties, give them great service, give them great information. Um, and, you know, just blow them away with, you know, how it closes. It's like, you know, package the key well, like, like do all the detailed things that, that he liked to do anyways. And so his business went from 30 some odd thousand dollars in, you know, one year, and then he hit six figures in his first year. And then it goes from there. Now he's, you know, one of our top producers at the office and, you know, he has this really great deep inner circle and he, he, uh, like, I do understand what uh, Denny is saying about building a team in business. It does require some extroversion because you need to communicate with your team members. Um, you know, they're, they may rely on you for lead generation and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it, it does, it does require that a bit for entrepreneurship. However, I think, um, depending on the scale of it, I think you can always, um, uh, you you can always build a team that might have those elements mm -hmm. a little bit more than you, and I think you can be an introverted leader if you. I think to. I would argue though that the advice and the suggestions that you were giving him were to be more extroverted, right? To so, reach out yeah, to your friends, right? To take them for lunch, like that is those true. are more extroverted yeah, that qualities. Is, that is very true. Yeah, that that you that, don't need. I don't think you need to be a social media superstar right. to be a good yeah. realtor or a business owner. You don't have to. It can absolutely elevate your business, but you don't have to be. It is. You're you're right. You know, it is it is a people business. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a misnomer that uh, people need to kind of be this super charismatic, yeah. like, you know, boisterous, larger than life personality. You know, running twenty four hour marathons. You might know <laughs> someone that does that. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you might need like some superhero guy, like, you know, they, they might, ha you might have the, that kind of uh, image that you need to be that. Whereas, um, you know, yes, it is connecting with these individuals, but you know, I think he was connecting and just listening. He wasn't really yeah. hard selling his services yeah. and, you know, being kind of, but being really helpful and, and opportunity oriented and value oriented and in that sense. And I think, I, I think that there, you know, there's room for that. Um, for sure with, with businesses. Um, uh, but again, like, just like Denny, I, I kind of thought that, Hey, you know, perhaps if I gain these good skills, um, you know, in communication and things like that, it would benefit my business, which I think it has. So, yeah. So for my, for myself personally, yes, it has. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that there's room for that because I've seen examples 
within our brokerage of many introverted agents doing very, very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Are most of them single agents though? Um, most of them, most of them are single agents. And then, um, you know, most of them are single agents. Um, let me think of if anyone's an introvert. Cause my thought is just to be able to, to manage and lead people. You have to be a little bit like for lack of a better word, louder. You have to be a little bit, you have to communicate better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to, um, give advice. You have to be able to give, um, constructive criticism mm -hmm. at times. You have to be able to fire. Yeah. And if you're unwilling to do that, like firing sucks. And it, and it, I, I don't think I'll ever get over that initial emotional reaction of like, these meetings are just bad. They suck. Mm. I feel like I'm playing God in this person's world. Like it, it just feels bad every single time I go into it. But the only reason I've figured out how to do it and I've gotten through all of them is because in my head, I'm thinking I'm running a business. All I care about is how this business is going to keep growing and how we keep providing really good service to people. And if the other people in my business, Monica, Lucas, you know, like other uh, people that are in the business are affected negatively by this person being in the business, they have to leave. Mm. Yeah. It makes sense in my head. I don't know. Yeah. That... I, no, I think it, it does make <laughs> sense. I think it, everybody, um, specifically when it comes to uh, parting ways with, staff or parting ways with um team members and things like that um you know i which we've had to do in the past as well um you know i kind of frame it in my mind at least about you know what's best for them and what's best for us and so um it, and if it's not best for them to stay part of the team it's not best for us to kind of um you know as a as a company to kind of continue to work with those individual with that individual then it's better to be honest and and sure. to just kind of and there's a better place where they're going to have more opportunity to learn and grow and that a better environment and culture for them to to be a part of. So I think, yeah, you know, trying to frame it in that perspective, maybe that's delusion or maybe that <laughs> maybe that's kind of like um, uh, maybe it's not. But that's kind of how we frame it uh, with our with ourselves. But there's a book. Um, have you ever read Good to Great, Jim Collins? Not Phil Collins. I can't remember the last. <laughs> Yeah. I can't remember the last time I read a book. Really? You know what? There's I, you know, there's no shame in that. You know, especially if you like to listen to podcasts and stuff like that. They're all like kind of mini tomes. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, there's a book called Good to Great um by Jim Collins, which I actually suggest a lot of business owners to read. You might want to listen to it or read uh, sure. read it. Um, and it talks about a level five leader. And so what that means is uh, and when uh Carl was talking about an introverted leader. Um, it kind of alludes to that, like these these companies that go from you know middling to great companies uh, have typically been driven by um, a level five leader, which is more of a um, like a servant oriented leader um, that had that probably has a less like charisma mm -hmm. uh, and, and a bit more, um, uh, you know, of kind of the hard hat the hard hat uh, mentality, you know, really consistent, listens well, very empathetic, uh, wrestles with ideas versus uh, personalities, that, that type of stuff. So like there's a, there's a good um, um, kind of, you know, that, that, that's a good example of, of, and he's, he, he's a, like a statistician or something like that. So he goes deep into the analytics of these companies and, 
and like how they these these leaders really turned it around and they had some more introverted uh characteristics than than you'd think cuz you'd think that it would be kind of this larger than life like Gary V. Yeah, like Gary <laughs> V figure yeah. but they're they're not they're like these like great consistent hard hat people, right? I wonder though is the world changing? Right? Like how how long ago is this book written? Right. And when were these stats taken from? Yeah. So if that book was written eight, 90s, nine, yeah. ten years. Oh, nineties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then you're taking 90s stats or from the, the early two thousands. Yeah. You're taking stats from the last ten years or whatever mm-hmm. they're looking at. So they're taking stats from the late eighties to early nineties, which had zero internet. Right. No social media, no podcasts. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the world is so different now than it yeah. was. It's it's uh, we say this on a lot of podcasts, but like we, I feel like we're one of the luckier generations because mm. we got to grow up in our childhood that had no internet. Mm-hmm. And then we get to use the internet to propel ourselves in, in our industry and mm-hmm. in business. So we kind of got to see a little bit of both sides. Whereas like, I, I don't have kids. I don't have personal experience with of this, but I see, nephews. I do have a lot yeah. of nieces and nephews. <laughs> But like kids growing up with social media now, it's just a completely different ball game yeah. than when we grew up. Right. You know, like a fun thing to do is go play basketball at 6 a.m., you know? Like, just go that's outside all and do whatever, right? right? Yeah. 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 We got MSN chat. Remember MSN? I remember it well. ICQ? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Those things were, yeah. <laughs> Those things were like grade six or seven for us. Right, so we were like 12, 13 years old. But like you'd have to Just go try. to your computer, you'd have to dial in and your yeah. modem, right? So you wouldn't yeah. have access to it 24 seven. Right. Totally. And at that time you didn't have cell phones either. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you're leaving school for the day and we're like, okay, we're gonna meet at on MSN yeah. at 6.30. Right. <laughs> the, I, think the, I think you're correct where the business landscape has changed because there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a kind of a loud platform that is such a, you know, is a great tool when it's harnessed correctly, which is obviously the internet and social media and a lot Mm -hmm. of other um, avenues. But I feel like, um, not to be the old man, but uh, I am an old man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, like, I still think human nature uh, is like, and and we serve human beings and and there's elements of like, um, that are going to be with us, you know, that uh, um, um, people will, follow but people will be attracted to um you know individuals that you know have really strong value systems be clear communicators have a great vision um are hardworking, mm-hmm. are um you know methodical high integrity those types of act those types of traits are um are very um you know i think are crucial for for long term yeah uh you know and if you if you're if you're that magical person that can harness both oh my gosh you're like a very dangerous well that's the thing right is that is that in the 80s and 90s you didn't have any platforms to show that off right right but now you have instagram you have podcasts you have all these things that if you are you know a person that is running a business that really cares about people and is trying to do the best for their client it's such a it's such a valuable opportunity oh yeah to get yourself in front of thousands and thousands of thousands of people a week totally versus in the 90s, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Was there any way? Other Dollar, than we're dialing for dollars, knocking man. Knocking <laughs> on doors, man. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I first started, I, w- I was knocking on doors and I was, uh, you know, cold calling. And I, 
that was kind of my primary methods of and doing open houses, which is my primary methods of 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 starting my business. Mm-hmm. But I think if I was to start now, I would yeah really harness the most high like the the these tools that we're that we're talking about, right? Um, so yeah, I think that is certainly valid, and it's a it's it's uh, it's a good thing for sure. Yeah, and I'm excited to see. I am excited to see where it goes. I do think for you know this next generation coming up, there's some uh, you know. Because I just like it just because I have addiction in my family line and I have like uh, that addictive personality, I'm very cautious about what I introduce to what I'm going to introduce to to my kids. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if she's anything like me, then once she gets into something, she's into it, you know. And so like I, you know, Mm -hmm. so we're we're a bit cautious and you want that. Um, awareness to be able to know when to start and stop something, um, you know, and you don't have that judgment when you're that young. And a lot of these platforms are devised and developed not only with uh, engineers, but also with, you know, psychologists, social scientists, behavioral, uh, you know, behavioral experts to like continue to get you to continue to to kind of get your dopamine hits, yeah. right? And so like there's elements of... Um, uh, of addiction to social media, which a lot of people, I, I feel a lot of people have. I think realtors specifically have a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Can you grab us two more beers? Thanks. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Thanks I, I think about that though. And I think like, again, I'm years away from actually having to make decisions on this stuff. Right. Because I don't have a kid. <laughs> yeah. But I think of like, here's the two kind of drastic differences. One, you give your kid a phone pretty early. And you're educating them along the way of how to use these things responsibly. Right. These are cool tools that can help you in your life, whatever your name is, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old. You're not naming your son Denny <clears throat> Jr.? Definitely not. Definitely no? not. <clears throat> you're not that big of an ego. I thought you were bigger. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think you know me that well. No, I'm just I don't joking. think I have that big of an ego. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Carl might differ. <laughs> <clears throat> but like, this is how to use it responsibly. This is how I use it for my business. This is how mom uses it for her, you know, showing off whatever she wants to do versus like, no, you will never touch a phone until you're 17. You know, like whatever it is, go ahead. doesn't matter. Cause that's the way that my parents were. My parents were no. And there was never an explanation. It was just, nope. Hmm. Dad, I really like this girl. I want to ask her to hang out after school. Nope. Dad, I want to play on the senior team. I'm better than all the kids on the senior team. I'm in grade nine. Uh, I'd like to play on the senior. Nope. Like mm. that was it. So that and, was the culture of the of the family. Hundred percent. Yeah. And Why? I hated. Where it. did that come from? Just like extreme conservatism, conservatism, whatever that word is. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> okay. uh, like very religious background. Right. Growing up without the internet, like. Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time. Like old white people mm-hmm. are just so close-minded. Mm. Like it's just like no, this is the protocol, right? right? And I love. I almost go the opposite way now. Of mm-hmm. like anything that has protocol and procedure, right. I disagree with automatically. Right. That's my in my nature so you're a bit now. Of a contrarian, then I'm not 100 percent sure what that word means. Oh, okay, <laughs> like you go against the grain. You do that. You think uh, of the contrary. I just want. I want. Um, I want. There to be a reason for things to be in place. Right. 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 I think 
I don't, don't like walking into a business and then being like, you need to take off your shoes. You're like, why would I take off my shoes? This is like a clothing store. Right. That's our protocol. <laughs> well, why would you have that protocol? Yeah. Not sure. The boss told me to say that. Like, right. that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't, that's not okay with me. I need there to be a reason for things that yeah. happen. Yeah. I think, uh, from, I think from a survival and a generational perspective, I think it was this, this authority, this authoritarian style of uh, leadership is a, was a very popular way of, of, uh, of leading in their generation, yeah. in the baby boom generation specifically. Um, because, you know, there was a bit of, uh, you know, struggle to survive and, you know, and there was that alpha, True. um, kind of like, uh, element of it. And, uh, you know, it's the, because I said so is like, you know, I heard that growing up as well. So, um, totally. yeah, but I do think that, um, um, it is, you know, that your, your childhood does frame you, you know, and, and kind of to do to either continue that tradition on with your own, uh, future family or to kind of make you realize that in many cases to go the, op sometimes people go too far in the opposite way. And sure. there's typically like a healthy, moderate middle where, um, you know, I think understanding the personality and the characteristics of yourself and of uh, you know, your unborn child. <laughs> if, uh, if it ever happens. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you like, if you're all your brothers and sisters have that many kids, you're going to fuck up one of these days. Well, <laughs> so, but it also means I have no pressure from my parents. Yeah, exactly. They already have 15 grandchildren. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So like, you know, there's, there's elements of, you know, knowing yourself and then knowing kind of the, that character of that little, that little girl or guy. And so, yeah. Carl, do you have kids? No. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm a new dad. So I only have like, Soph is uh, four and a half, five months old. Yeah. Oh, my wow, daughter. That new? Yeah. Crazy. So she's, she is like fresh out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could say it that way. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, all right. So she's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool seeing like, you know, seeing her develop and things like that. And I guess you become keenly aware of, uh, you know, of the decision you're making and kind of, um, you know, because it has more impacts, uh, than just on yourself potentially. Mm -hmm. And also maybe just your, your girlfriend or your wife. Um, but there's like another living being that's dependent upon you to like, kind of, yeah, you think, I think I'm, I, it started, it's changed me a little, it's changed me quite a bit actually. Yeah. yeah. On that yeah. social media conversation, like, have you guys started talking about that? Yeah, we have. Yeah, we do have. And what's have. the, say, what are the opinions? Like, what are the options? Because in my head, it's like one of two things. You either are just saying no for no reason, because I think it's no reason, because I think there's a lot of value in learning how to use it properly. Or it's, here's how to use it responsibly. These are the things that like, we would like you to be aware of mm -hmm. and be cautious of. But I don't know how, how does that actually yeah, work. Yeah, I think you when you make when you make something taboo, it can it becomes its own like it has its own energy. It's yeah. like this lurking energy. Um, so you know what we've done in what we've kind of thought of was during um, like daytime hours, um, we are you know we we do kind of but we're we're very cautious about that amount of time. So yeah. there's this app on my phone. It's called. Um, screen time or something it's it comes automatically with your iphone yeah. um screen time facetime or something like screen that time, yeah. screen time so 
I try to keep mine below two hours a day. And as a realtor, that is very hard. So impossible. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so basically, and we kind of have that, like that limit. So, and I, I want to be pre- like, cause I had a problem before I was up to six and a half hours a day uh, on, on the phone, which, which, and I've kind of brought it down and down and down incrementally more. And I felt that I had a very, very hard time being present uh, with people because when you have like addiction in your DNA, um, you can't help but like reach and you can't help mm. but like be compelled and kind of like, even though I'm having a conversation with Denny, I'm like, like yeah. oh, and I got to like return <laughs> to the- Someone just texted you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, so, you know, knowing yourself is, is a key thing, but I think- from a family perspective, we're we're kind of monitoring it, trying to stay under two hours on on uh, screen time, and stay keeping it within the daytime hours. Because my wife is a bit of a like a like a hippie, <laughs> so she like believes that the blue light has some the blue light has impacts on sleep and 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 your how your brain mm. uh, uh, how your brain functions. So you know we try to stay away from all screens um, like at, in the evening hours. Um, and early in the early morning hours. So like, yeah, so that's something that we, that we kind of do. And then that allows you to have like the family time and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, so like, that's kind of how we're monitoring right now. And again, it's only been five months, so that might change, but, but, uh, we're pretty, we're pretty dutiful, uh, when it comes to, uh, my wife's beautiful. I'm dutiful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like, we're trying to kind of like, you know, keep this up and it's been, it's been going pretty well so far. Yeah. Kind of how we're, so we're, we don't, we're limiting it very respectfully, but I know like I have friends and, and clients that their kids, they're always on the iPad. They're, they can't, they cannot tear the kids away if they want to, like, it's like their babysitter, their nanny mm-hmm. and everything, which I, which I disagree with as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That is, it's almost unfortunate to watch, right? Like when you see kids at a park or like in a client event or whatever, and all they're doing is just staring at the phone or out for dinner with your friend and they have a two-year-old and all they're doing is watching. Well, isn't, like, yeah, isn't whatever, that what cars or whatever. That's what makes it so like, to me, that's what makes it so dangerous mm-hmm. because if a kid has an option to play on a bouncy castle and, but he's choosing instead to be on his phone, yeah, there is something really seriously like addictive about that freaking phone. Totally. Because like, if you're a kid, like you and I as, as kids, if we were like six years old or whatever, and you see some, that bounce cancer at the playground, we're on those monkey bars nonstop. Dude, we had like, a client event at Steel and Oak too. Like we usually did every summer, right. but we couldn't do last right. summer. So 2019 summer. Yeah. We had a bouncy castle. Right. And I wanted to run in that thing as soon as I saw it. <laughs> exactly. And I did. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, uh, it's a weird it's, it's uh, like it's 100% a parent fault, right? If your instinct when the kid cries is to just give them a, watch a YouTube video, watch right. a whatever, whatever's popular It's, it's very, now, but, you know, it is tough because we're not in that, like, and it's funny because I violated many rules in which I thought I was going to adhere to as a, <laughs> as, a, as a parent. And so, you know, I can't say that it's, it's perfect. However, like, you know, and so I understand exactly kind of the, those parents as well. And, you know, it's tough, you know, childcare is not as available for people right now, which yeah. is a, which is a real shame. And, yeah. you know, it's people's, 
everyone's doing things differently about, uh, you know, multi-generational living and all the rest. Like I grew up with my grandparents and they basically raised us. Mm. And so like, um, you know, that was that, you know, that was very helpful to respect and like old fashioned, um, you know, uh, values and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so it just, it just depends. So like, it's, it's tough because, you know, I have a, a friend who's, um, you know, she's a, a single mom, great person, awesome, nurturing, friendly, like awesome person. And, you know, it's it's I, I could see it's, it's just so tough for her like what is she gonna do like what else is she gonna do instead of sure. like plop the kid in front of the tv or kind of like to get even like you know to just do a load of laundry or something like that right like it makes it kind of makes it's almost like i i can see that as being like a safety thing too they're gonna be on this they're not gonna be killing themselves <laughs> so, <laughs> totally. so like there's there's elements of that too so i'm just kind of like so i, I sympathize but Totally, but I think it is it is something just for our own, my own family that I, I am very uh, acutely aware of, yeah. I think that's the key. As long as you're aware of it and you understand that it can be a problem, it can be addictive, it can lead to some bad habits in the future, to just be watching and to be yeah. maybe limiting instead of that always be the solution. Yeah. Well, right? I think when you're like, and that's a funny thing because I was talking to my kid's sister who's 10 years younger than me and she's like... um she sees me kind of hanging out with my daughter and stuff like that. She's like, Mike, if you had a kid 10 years before, you would not be doing this. And I was <laughs> like, really? And like, you know, uh, so I'm an, like, I'm the older dad guy. And I was like, man, I, I I'm actually like, I, a part of me is really glad I had, like, I kind of, because you're able to kind of accumulate resources and mm -hmm. get, you know, have the intelligence and, um, the kind of objectivity to to set things up well for yourself prior to kids coming and it, it it you know whereas many families like my dad and mom had their first kid at 21 years old and yeah. and then like here we are like five kids later like before they're 30 years old right and they're just like geez if I had four kids before I was 30 I would be very different than, you know, than, you know, it, than what it is now where I have time and energy, I have time and perspective to even consider these things. But if I was in my 20s, I would be like, here, <laughs> go, on my, go on my Blackberry. <laughs> I feel like the tw in my 20s, I was trying to figure everything out and I used it as an opportunity that time was my... Time is what, what what I had, right? Right, yeah, that was your advantage. Like, I didn't have a kid. I didn't have right. very many responsibilities, if yeah. any. I had a mortgage at my new ass place that I think was eight hundred seventy two dollars a month. Yeah, so very little in right. terms of responsibilities. But I just used it as a time to grow professionally, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. work as hard as you can, build a little bit of like establish yourself a little bit, and then. Now in my early thirties, I have so many more options. Yeah. Right. Versus mm -hmm. if I had a kid when I was 24, my. Those options. Like my priorities right? yeah. would have been shifted so differently. Right. Right. Versus like working 16 hours a day, maybe it's eight and a half. And now I'm spending time with a kid and then making dinner, whatever. Right. Sure. I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm on the same path as you. Yeah, I don't I know. Think, yeah. I think, you know, sorry. How, I, I don't I'm know. 39. How, there you yeah, go. Okay. Yeah. So I'm 32. Right. A kid is not in my near future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'm 39 when I have a kid. I don't know right. if I ever have one. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, it, it just, uh, it depends on the, you know, everyone has their own experience. And I know, I know agents and people that had children in their early twenties or early on in life that have done exceedingly well in business. Mm -hmm. And they've, you know, they always say like, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. So like these people could get, <laughs> you know, stuff done. Let's put it that way. And so, you know, I think it, it just depends, but just in my own experience, like, uh, being kind of, a a, uh, like a more of a cautious person, uh, personally, like, yeah, I kind of wanted all those ducks in a row prior to kind of like thinking about it and just like planning and preparing, preparing for it and kind of like, um, yeah, so, which is, which is, which has been, which has been, I think good, but at the same time, you know, do I have the same energy that I did when I was in True. my early twenties? Um, probably not. Um, but I, I do, I do know myself much better. So I kind of, uh, which I didn't know myself as well in my twenties. So like, you know, that th there's advantages there for sure. You, it's like an ever evolving equation, right? Of like how to balance work with your, you know, relationship, spouse, whatever it is with your family, if you have kids, with your friends. And it changes yearly for me. Mm. Early in my career, first five years. How does it, it change like, yearly? Why does it change yearly? Because I want it to change. Okay. It's up to me, right? It's up to me what I spend my time on. And early in my career, it was like 100%. And I was probably close to 100%. Was only worried about business, right? Mm -hmm. Was only worried about work. Yeah. And now that's shifted a little bit. I still care a lot. And it's maybe like 85%. But I also care about my, the way I feel. Mm -hmm. I got fat in 2017. Okay. What happened? I worked too much. Okay. I, I, I went from being a college athlete. How many LBs did you gain? <laughs> uh, I'd say from my heaviest, I've lost about 35 pounds. Wow. Okay. I think my heaviest was around 220. Oh, wow. Okay. And now I weigh about 185. Good. Whatever the math is there. <laughs> Is that 35? <laughs> yeah. So I just didn't care about anything other than trying to work and get established in this business mm -hmm. and trying to make a little bit of money because I didn't have any getting into this industry. Right. And that one thing I wanted to chat with you about was like your first year. Sure. Yeah. But uh, like now it's kind of shifted to, I still care a lot about our business and the growth of our business and the people in our business. Mm -hmm. And like, any way I can assist the realtors on our team to have more successful right. years is what I'm so pumped about. Yeah. Um, but I also really value that like hour a day that I take for myself to go for a run mm -hmm. or go to the driving range right. or work out in my basement or yeah. whatever. Right. Right. Versus 2014, 15, 16, 17, it was 0% on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now having a kid, obviously right. I don't have a kid but I'm sure that just like keeps evolving and you're just trying to figure out like, what is the balance that, you know, keeps my wife happy, keeps my business and like the people that work with me happy, keeps my kid happy. Nothing that matters right? is keeping your wife happy. <laughs> <laughs> then everything else figures it out. Itself out. <laughs> yeah, but keeping your wife happy though yeah. <laughs> involves some sort of um, like energy out into the business to make money so that you can afford to right. do the things that make yeah. your wife happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think obviously you're, you know, you, the human experience always changes specifically as you evolve and you enter into different roles and phases, you mm -hmm. know, being the uh, startup realtor to, you know, being a partner of it and then being like a team lead and then being a 
a spouse or a boyfriend, being a good friend to Carl, even though you rag on him. <laughs> I've been much better the last three years. I'll okay. give him that. <laughs> um, you know, that type of stuff. Like, you know, of course, you know, there is going to be an evolution of, of, of life and kind of the, the things that you're doing and the priorities that you have. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, but I think you always should stay. And I, I've always tried to think about staying true to, you know, who I am as a person and my, you know, my values and the things that are important to me. Uh, and those things are are constant, whereas everything else is is there is some variability to it. Uh, but you know, having those core like things like that, I kind of those are my rocks that I kind of hold on to. Is is kind of um, you know is still like important to to have. And I feel like you know um, that's even though like your role changes, your like your social and economics change like things change but you know i think you should still i always want to stay true to like you know the same guy i was when i was 10 years old or whatever yeah i think that's the best version of me honestly <laughs> we have a yeah. i have a group of uh friends from high school there's 10 yeah. of us that we've stayed really close cool whatever we are that's awesome what are we 32 what do we graduate 17 so it's been fifth is that 15 years yeah 15 years out of high school, we hang out with each other once every two months, let's say. Oh, cool. And we like, we still have a group chat. Like we still right. talk all the time. And when we get together, it is literally like we're just kids again. Yeah. Like we're having beer pong right. tournaments in someone's garage <laughs> yeah. or like whatever it is. Right. But it's cool to have those relationships from like back in the day that totally kind of reset you in, almost in a way. Yeah. Right. Like waking up every morning and you're dealing with a multi-million dollar home sale and then you're dealing with like a new client and running a business and educating people on your team to grow their business. Yep. And then you're meeting your buddies on Friday night and just kind of like decompressing. It really like puts things in perspective yeah. almost, right? Well, like yeah. they don't give a shit about how no. much money I make versus how much money Adam makes mm -hmm. versus the kid that Adam just had or whatever. Like, right. it's just decompress almost yeah. i think th that is, is super valuable to mm -hmm. be able to to you know share your life experiences with, with yeah. people that are genuinely and authentically they they like you as a person and yeah. your personality and there's something to be said it's funny like there's something to be said about the like having historic history or some historic like context with people because yeah. they've seen you through like you know when you looked like an idiot, when you asked a girl out that wasn't even that good looking, she didn't. She said like no, <laughs> or when like all these different types of experiences yeah. that you've gone through. So they kind of know who you really are. So they don't. The persona of the Denny persona is yeah. like they they can read right through that bullshit. Yeah, and it's just like I know you. You're an idiot, yeah. <laughs> and so am I. So yeah. like, and that that so there. I I think that levels you out a, a lot. Uh, and I have friends like. What's really fortunate about, uh, you know, the ability to um, uh, work at Oakwin, which is uh, our, our brokerage, is, uh, yeah, the leadership team is a lot of, of it is comprised of like my family and very, very close friends. Like the, like my sister Arlene, who's I'm a partner with at Oakwin, uh, you know, obviously we grew up together. We worked together at coffee shops. Like, you know, we used to work out together. We're like thick as, we're just so so uh, close. And then, um, uh, um, you know, my uh, Morgan Brown, who's our, um, you know, our president of the company, she's like, you know, 
like a sister to me as well. And we're so we're just we're so close and and uh, have a great bond. And then our CFO Alfred C. I grew up with him when we were seven years old, and you know we've been friends ever since. Our front desk uh, Tiffany Wan. She gave me my first job. <laughs> like um, crazy. Uh, like so. Like it is a family business. My kid sister Liz is our head conveyancer. And the, the other staff we have are like family to us now. They're just, you know, many of them have been with us since we started the company, you know, seven, eight years ago, Oakwin, that is. Um, but yeah, and it's been, and a lot of the, some of the agents that, you know, are with us, I started in my first year in 2006 being a realtor. Um, they were there too. Like, yeah. and we, you know, they joined our company, you know, after seeing that we weren't going to like screw it up <laughs> after a few years, they're like, okay, we'll join now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been a really cool journey for sure, you know, from, yeah. And so, you know, it, it, and it's, it's, it's still like ongoing and continuing and evolving and changing and it's still like, you know, and it's still an exciting adventure for sure. It's interesting. Cause they, like when you have groups of friends or family members that you're really close with for a long period of time, they get to see the growth too. And so like these high school buddies always hate on me for Instagram just because <laughs> I share a lot. Right. And I yeah. do a lot of video Sure, and, uh, they'll come like every time we see each other, someone will comment on like something stupid that I did in a property video that week or whatever. And my comment back is always like, yeah, but you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it, it is nice to see when your friends start doing well, like that's just the the hope that I have for, you know, my, the, my like Motley crew as well. Yeah. Uh, is that everyone does so well, like, and they are, are healthy and happy and, and they're feeling like they're growing. That's like, that's what it's all about. And like to, to be able to work with so many of my family members, you know, I know a lot of agent, a lot of um, not only agents, but also like business owners are like, Oh, they're really cautious about working with their friends and family honestly i've only had a positive experience with it so far <laughs> like only if it's never gone bad <laughs> so yeah part of what i love so much about this industry is there's so many different avenues of opportunity oh right? yeah totally sure resale is one pre-sale is one yep. like commercial is one investing in commercial starting a brokerage right and it seems like you're doing all of them <laughs> oh <laughs> well <laughs> right? not like, all of them you're an investor yeah you own a brokerage you run a real estate sales team right that's a lot uh, at 39 yeah you know, it, i don't know if it's like it's like it's just it's fun it's kind of like a game i don't i don't put a lot of pressure like i i, I like you guys are athletes so like you guys probably like pressure i <laughs> like i despise pressure i'm like oh like i i get uh, i freeze up and stuff like that but for me, I like uh, I like strategy and planning and team building and mm -hmm. kind of stuff like that, and it all kind of is interrelated. Um, and I feel like um, so when it comes to, uh, for example, uh, starting out as an independent agent and then starting a sales team, it was just really logical. It was kind of like, oh, okay, well, I like serving clients; it's uh, worked out well. But I'm starting to my bandwidth is starting to get diminished to a point where, like, like you, my health was also diminishing. My yeah. relationships were diminishing. Um, you know, my, uh, so what was I actually working for in the first place? And then that's when you need the, to bring on good people to support. And then, and then it's like, wow, it's fun to work with other people in, in doing this. And, and then, oh, it's fun to see them succeed and do really great things. And then it's building that out to a yeah. point where you're really comfortable and feeling that it's, you're in a good place. And then, you know, we started Oakland just to, um, 
you know, show other people that there's, um, you know, uh, uh, there's a path to, um, to, you know, building a great independent business, but also, you know, I, or I, I didn't feel that the brokerage environment was one that, um, was conducive to helping really good hearted people succeed in the business, um, uh, of real estate, of professional real estate. Um, and I really wanted to change kind of the culture of what a brokerage was and what it represented. Um, and, um, kind of remove the, I know this is going to sound really cheesy, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but remove the transactional, um, relationship that an agent had with their brokerage and, and also change the transactional relationship that agents have with their clients and make it a transformative relationship. So when an agent goes with their client, it's not a transaction. It's a transformation. They're changing from a condo to a townhouse so they're ready for a family. They're transforming their lives. Uh, and it's a, such a key and important um, time in someone's life. It's so crucial um, that they have the right stewardship. They have the right uh, agency. They have the right fiduciary uh, representative. They have the right guardian. They have the right negotiator. They have the right marketer. They have the right sales. They, and you're kind of wearing all those hats at the yeah. same time. And it's such a crucial and lovely um, like moment in someone's life and that we get the honor to be, uh, be a big part of. And so like, we want that to be a transformative, wonderful experience for the buyers and sellers. But we felt that in order to do that, the agents needed to have that experience with their companies, you know, yeah. with their, with their brokerage, you know, with the people that were going to support and nurture their talents and their, and their business, which is what a brokerage does. And so essentially, you know, that's kind of, you know, altruistically what our, what our marker has been as to how do we kind of create this type of transformational um, relationship with our agents where it's like, hey, you know, by interacting with a company, they're either making their business more efficient, they're driving more revenues, they're having a great experience, they're having great service, they feel like they're part of a community, they feel like they're with uh, um, people that care deeply about the industry as a whole, they have respect for the profession, and kind of bringing everyone together with this philosophy of peer-to-peer learning, like, hey, like, let's learn from each other, let's get, let's get, um, uh, you know, let's, let's, we'll learn more ourselves by teaching others, yeah. you know, versus, you know, that, that philosophy. Whereas, you know, we didn't feel that, I, I personally didn't feel that in my former brokerages. And when I was looking around just as a kind of an agent, I didn't find that there was anything like that out there. So we we're just like, we're going to start one. And openly we were plan- We never thought it was going to grow. We never thought we'd have the ability to work with great play people like you guys and stuff like that. But, um, um, but you know, it's kind of gone that way because we cared about the the quality of the experience, right? Which is uh, kind of where where it kind of the essence of it is. And so, yeah, so you know, doing a wearing a it, it's it's really just one hat, which is like you know, working with people closely, um, communicating a clear vision, strategy, that type of stuff. That's what I like to do. And then having good teams that kind of support the 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 overall vision and the the culture and where the the initiatives that we're that we kind of come up with and I'll tell you I don't come up with the best ideas I probably come up with the worst ideas but having the <laughs> best people around you that are super smart yeah that 
And then it's just like, wow, things just like can, can really take off. Right. Yeah. It's funny. There's a lot of follow-up in what you just said there. The monologue. First of all, (laughs) first of all, the brokerage model sucks. And I have a lot to say (laughs) about that and a lot of feedback for that. Mm -hmm. Two is when people ask me what I do for a living, I always have a challenge answering and it always comes out as like, well, I guess if you're going to put me in a box, I sell real estate like, like that. But in my head, I'm thinking the two most important things that I do are I'm a relationship manager Mm -hmm. and I'm a firefighter. Mm. And what that firefighter thing means is I have to solve problems every second of every day. Right. That's all I do. Yeah. I wake up and there's problems and we have to get to the bottom of the problem Mm -hmm. and find a solution. Right. That's all we do. And we're relationship managers. We have to deal with people's emotions. Residential real estate is such an emotional buy and sell Mm -hmm. that whether psychology is the right type of term to use or not, whatever it is, but like we manage relationships. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to come back to that you said though was you said this sounds like a cheesy answer and then you explained yourself and what I love so much about real estate and the people that are really good in it and the people that are passionate about it is they the way they explain themselves is almost an emotional expression right mm. it's like we care so much about the relationship and like helping people and wanting to see people grow but everyone thinks that's cheesy when they say it Mm -hmm. But for some reason, listening to it and like the way I express it, it causes this weird emotional reaction to me. Mm. So I'm listening to you describe what Oakland is about, what your family and like your friend group has put together and what you are so excited to present to Mm -hmm. Greater Vancouver. And I'm like, I love it. It's awesome. That's Mm. how I think every single day about like building relationships with clients and people that reach out to us. Yeah, for sure. Is like when people reach out to us, it's not like an honor. Oh, you're buying yeah. a $500,000 condo. Yeah. We don't have time for you. It's like, oh man, let's, let's help you grow. Yeah. This $500,000 condo is going to be the first step and it's going to go so well, well and you're going to love everything about us. Yeah. That in three years from now, you're going to have $200,000 worth of equity because Greater Vancouver is insane. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we're going to help you get the, to the next step. Yeah. And it's going to be this fun journey that we go on together. Right. But the only way it succeeds is focusing on relationship yeah first that right. has to be mm-hmm. and there's so many like people i've met through a greater vancouver especially early in my career where i was confused about the whole thing like what am i supposed to be in this role right i'm selling you a house a condo i'm helping you purchase a house or a condo what am i supposed to do here like the first couple of years you're trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and there's people that you see that you think are really um experienced in the industry and that are doing a, a it, they have the image of doing a lot of transactions right you think oh well, that guy just treated that lady like a piece of crap yeah is that success is that what it is and then you get to this totally totally right. but it happened like we see it so much in real estate yeah. so real estate is such a variable of people that are in it and there's like a small portion of people that are doing things extremely well that I am um, very, that I admire mm. and that I would ever use to sell. My, I, I always say, if I was ever to sell my house and I wasn't a realtor, right. based on what I know now, there's maybe five groups, teams, right. individuals that I would use mm. based on what I know about how they treat people, how right. they market, how they deal with multiples, like yeah. the whole thing. Totally. It's just a funny industry, but like, 
I guess the point I was trying to make was as you're expressing that it, um, is exciting. And, cool. and I think we have this, this, um, natural reaction to always think, you know, what is actually going on in our head? What we're actually trying to achieve with this business is cheesy to some people is corny, whatever, but it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that emotional reaction that actually is very powerful in terms of the growth of the business mm-hmm. and in terms of like how people think of you after the transaction. Yeah. And that's a key, that's a key thing. You know, um, it's, it's the, it's the, and you hit it on the head where it's the, it's the people that you, um, you know, it, I, I, it, yeah, again, it's like a cheesy thing, but you know, we're in the people business. I know we just happen to sell real estate. And so it's really, um, you know, it, it's, it's treating people with a lot of respect and, um, and, and, um, and value and, and really like, um, like, you know, when you say relationship manager and firefighter, that's a, that's a cool way of putting it because not everyone kind of, like you mentioned the firefighter, I kind of like distill that down to like, you know, a solutions oriented person. Yeah. Cause like, you know, you grew up in an environment where it wasn't pro- like went just from what I've been hearing uh, from you today and listening to you today. Um, you know, where it's kind of like an authoritarian style, which is a control based style of, of dealing with issues and problems. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. Yeah. And a lot of agents, handle things like that you know they're like there's a fire burning okay block it off yeah and let it continue to burn yeah. <laughs> like, you know where it's okay let's like pour some water on this yeah. thing right or let's figure out a, the best way of attacking the root of the problem right which is a solutions-based um uh you know solutions-based business um so there's three ways of handling issues number one is by pretending it doesn't exist and just like hopefully it goes away itself which a lot of people do right like which is probably the worst option yeah which is what i would say 90 percent of people do that you know there's there's a big problem and they're like well no it doesn't exist and so um and then you know nine percent of people are like control freaks there's like a problem and they just control everything around it but the problem will exist and then there's that final like that one percenter that's that looks at a problem and it's like okay how are we going to figure this out how are we going to arrive at an amicable solution where everybody involved comes out you know satisfied and so like looking at looking at it from that angle um and you know um that's that's a refreshing and a good way a good perspective of of looking at uh you know your role in in the in in your in your business um and yeah kind of like um thinking about it in 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 that way is just really cool yeah so that 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 that's it's really it's really good and you know philosophically it you know jives with kind of um you know how we do our business as well where it's the it's the same kind of methodology yeah for sure it's interesting we say we but i'll share my perspective rather than our team's perspective as a whole i just the brokerage model sucks and it's very i would like to I often describe our industry as archaic. Okay. Most brokerages were powerful. They were built on the idea of what happened in 1973. Mm. And what happened in 1973 was there was no such thing as the internet. There was a brokerage. And if you were part of this brokerage, you got to see the listings that agents at that brokerage had. Right. And there was a binder and you would flip through them. Right. Well, that's not the way it works anymore. And most brokerages today 
I've just kept the model going because people have to be part of a brokerage. I, I mean, like with the brokerage that we're with right now, we met with one of them, like one of the owners in the summer and they asked like, how do we help you? And, and I said, I don't think you can help a team, a business like ours. Mm. You have some systems in place and some teaching tools that are very, very valuable to new, new people. Mm -hmm. And that's very valuable for some people. But when you get to a certain level, like the brokerage is just a, like a, a, a divide almost. It's mm -hmm. just a, it's like a bounce back thing. So like <laughs> there's a program, we submit documents, someone bounces back stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, one check mark was missed on a fin track, something dumb that could easily just be done. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's just like, it's almost like we're butting heads. We're our own individual entity and we just have to be part of this thing. Mm -hmm. And there's no value that is being added to us. We're, we are the ones adding value. Mm. Right. And I'd agree with you there. Yeah. It's interesting because as a, now like someone who runs a business and is running a team, my thought process every day is like, how are we adding value to the people on mm -hmm. our team? Is it assisting them in contracts with knowledge right. and experience and whatever that may be through a transaction? Is it providing leads for them? Is it like mentorship? Is it um, like just being around to answer the phone to give a second opinion, whatever that may be along the way. But there has to be a balance. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yeah. Right? And it just seems like the real estate industry, the way it is in Greater Vancouver, is built on this system that is so old that does not work anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agents provide value to the brokerage. The brokerage provides very little value back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, you make a lot of really, really great points. And, you know, you, you have yet to experience so our too. brokerage. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you obviously came from athletics. You came from basketball. And so um, uh, you played with people that are really good, right? And yeah, I played against some, like, stupid studs out of the States. I remember playing Oklahoma, uh, Iowa State, I think. Right. And there was some kid. I can't remember his name. He was like 6'6", six, six, okay. 220, and the most athletic <laughs> human I've ever seen in real right. life. And I had to guard him. Yeah. I'm like, this is a losing formula. Like, yeah. this is not going to help. Did you play well? What was my option? <laughs> like, I can't. Yeah. Like, you, it's just, it's, just, it's different. It's like yeah. Carl playing against your daughter in a game of one-on-one -on -one <laughs> basketball. Right. Who's going to win? Yeah. Probably Carl. Right. But have you ever played on a team where you, you had some really good players on it and uh did your did your game improve or not improve it's interesting so like as a young kid i was so competitive okay and, and i always wanted to play against better people than me sure because i wanted to be challenged and i sure it's fun to score 30 points in a game sure but that means you're playing against people that are not as good as you and you're not right. getting better yeah so i was always focused on like how do i get better how do i keep getting better because mm -hmm. i know I watched a lot of like NCAA basketball when cool. I was in high school. Yeah. So I was like, watched these kids that are taller and more athletic than me. Like, how do I compete with them? I have to play mm -hmm. against better people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what your exact question was. Yeah. So like, <laughs> but, did you, did your kind of level, did you level up being, by being surrounded with these? I think it forces you to. Yeah. It forces you to. Right. So, you know, that's a, a big philosophy that, uh, that, that we share at the broke at our brokerage. Um, so a couple things. Um, so 
Um, I agree with you in a lot of the, the kind of the genesis of a brokerage was, you know, we contain the listings, we contain yeah. the leads, we're spark, we're parsing them mm-hmm. out to agents at yeah. percentages that were at the time, uh, like, uh, astronomical, but you know, obviously that business model has changed. Um, and so how brokerages add value to agents is going to be done in a variety of different ways. And I think how we deliver the, the value to our agents at this, uh, at this pay, at this, uh, point at this level, but we are uh, evolving is, um, you know, is through our philosophy of, of, uh, uh, specifically for, for big teams and for high producing teams is, uh, is that philosophy of collaboration and, and open learning where, you know, your team, uh, you know, doing a hundred plus sales a year can learn from my team doing a hundred plus sales a year. And we're commingling ideas. We're, um, you know, we're having this open, this open, uh, value system of like, Hey, I'm not jealous of Denny and James. They're not jealous of me, but we just want to get better. Totally. And, and there's a commingling of ideas, efficiencies, um, you know, what's working with your marketing, what's working with ours so that we can come out with a better product and a better experience for our clients and also for, you know, t- for us to be able to to do better for our families. Yeah. And so there's, mm-hmm. but it's a philosophical thing, right? And um, it requires a couple key, uh, you know, key components. One is, um, is to, is to really have, um, you know, the right people um, at, at the brokerage. Um, that, uh, you know, the agents specifically, um, so we have, you know, I don't want to be braggy, but we have really good top teams at our brokerage and we all share information. We, you know, this vendor's great. Um, these, um, uh, uh, you know, this is the CRM we're using. This is kind of, this is the, um, you know, this is what has been pulling for our social media campaigns. Like this has, worked for us like what's working for you guys and then we like learn from each other and and how we can improve and get better um uh, as uh, uh as collaborative colleagues because you know with i don't know i think it's 50,000 transactions in our board like we're rarely going to bump into each other for you know you're doing your 100 totally. something I'm doing my 100 something we're rarely going to bump into each other and it, when we do we typically just co-listed whatever <laughs> like and so you know by playing on an like an elite level team you yourself rise your own standards um your own personal standards will and we found that i found that with myself not only you know it's being a bit biased by being one of the uh partners of the company but you know our my standards have risen because of the standards of our agents that are in the brokerage um and you know and we've learned i've learned a lot i've learned about different revenue streams for my team I've learned about better efficiencies for my team. I've learned about better structures and things like that because of a philosophy of of open learning and sharing, mm-hmm. which is uh, not which was very you know brokeraging. Previously, in my brokerages that I was in uh, before we started the company, was you know very hierarchical, very um, the the owner and the, the uh, and uh, you know the the office was very closed door, blinds down like, you know, protecting all information and highly competitive and really, um, uh, not, not, uh, not, uh, everyone was just kind of bragging about what car they were driving type yeah. of thing, which is a very different environment than, than ours, which is, um, where everyone's on this mission to, uh, like, uh, grow and improve their own 
pr- practice and be a kind and good-hearted person at the same time, you know, and, and not veer away from your, uh, your values. And, uh, you know, we are not bashful if there's an agent that's not uh, in keeping with, uh, you know, a high integrity practice to ask them to not practice at our office anymore. And, you know, to us, it's not really about the dollars and cents. It's about kind of creating a great culture and a great community and continuing to like, hopefully change the industry for the better. So that like, there was just this, did you watch the CBC um, uh, news thing about the, the thing that happened in Ontario? Did you guys watch that? Oh, no. I would say I watch very little mainstream news. Okay. It's all garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, just I don't extreme right wing news. <laughs> oh, man. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. For, <laughs> <laughs> or left wing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the States is almost worse. Oh, like, my God. Going yeah. through the presidential election whenever it was a year ago, almost a year ago now. Yeah. Crazy. But going through that, just how one sided it was was unbelievable. Well, it's to just watch. so yeah, there's a there's a strange like black and white and a dichotomy there, yeah. right? That I the and I think it's um like partly a cultural thing, a bipartisan system, or sorry, a, not bipartisan. It's a is it bipartisan like the Republican, the Democrats? Is there's two, in, totally, it's two yeah, parties, and two you're parties like and on it. one side or the other. Yeah, yeah. And so, whereas in Canada, it is a bit of a spectrum, so yeah. you get like a multi party system. Yeah, I still think like personally and this is like you know i think proportional representation is the correct way of running a country but anyways so like um um there's there's some yeah there's elements of uh of that in there and so like uh, off topic a little bit <laughs> but no, uh, yeah it can, it can swerve <laughs> yeah so there's there's a um there was an article uh not an article like a the segment on cbc news about agents that uh were kind of deterring their clients from going to a um to a discount agent to like for them to purchase a property mm. um and kind of swerving them away from that listing and you know there was like hidden cameras and it was like an expose and i'm just like man that is just so like that's the kind of stuff that i really like just want to like it's gotta like end you know and i i i was all like i i volunteer at the real estate board um in the development committee and I, you know, I'm a broker general. Why would I want to do this? But I like, we should increase the fines. We should make it harder to like, we should make it harder. We should be more strict with, um, with, uh, penalties. And I was like, we should make it very, very difficult to, uh, to like practice unethically in our, in our industry. And we got to get it out. Right. It's too easy to get into the industry too. Right. It is, it is too easy to get in, you know, I, and we are both benefited, benefactors of it being pretty easy sure. to get in. <laughs> so like, you know, and so like, I think that there is a natural selection and there is a kind of a, like, there is a natural selection that happens. Yeah. And, you know, I think what, you know, it, when I put on my resale hat uh, and my, you know, I'm like, we just need to provide a better offering. Yeah. Like we can't worry about like, any competition or anything like that. We just got to focus on providing a better offering because once you start kind of like, you know, complaining about this, and you know, these outside factors that you have no control over, it's kind of like... Part of the reason is there's zero education. So when someone gets licensed, literally this is what happens. Good luck to you, sir. That's it. There's nothing. There's nothing about like running a business. There's nothing about what is actually in the contract that you're writing and 
to for a buyer or a seller. Ooh, There's you have been with Oakland. <laughs> yeah, what? because our office we have like we have a program called Oakland University, which um, teaches agents. It's still probably so. I'm sure it's yeah. better than most, mm -hmm. but it's still probably not real practical advice. And this is based on my experience alone. Mm -hmm. I haven't been at Oakland. Right. I don't. I haven't been through that university. Sure. Probably won't go through it. Right. You can tell me about it. <laughs> but my experience notes. getting in, man, was so bad. Yeah. There was literally so was nothing. Mine. Terrible. It was terrible. I was, and mine like, was awful. Shots fired at the real estate board of Greater Vancouver and the council of real, uh, in real estate. There's the education process. They force you to take, well, three classes plus legal update plus privacy, whatever, whatever. There's like six classes they have to take every two years. And they are just a straight waste of time. If there was real practical classes led by you, led by <laughs> okay. someone who, no, no, I'm just oh, saying like me. someone like you, someone like you, okay. someone who does a lot of transactions, mm. someone who runs a business, someone who actually knows what they're doing versus a lawyer, mm -hmm. right? A lawyer hasn't sold real estate, right? Someone who sold real estate 25 years ago and now is a teacher. Mm -hmm. It's different, right? Right. I just, I literally just finished mine. Sorry, I'm pointing to the table because I sat there <laughs> okay. <laughs> through six classes for yeah. six days right. going through this stuff. And it's just a waste of time. Yeah. If, there, if the education process was a little bit different, whereas practical Q&As, mm -hmm. I would get so much more out of that personally. Yeah. If you ran a Q&A right. and I got to be like, Michael, I know you uh, do a lot in project sales and you work a lot with developers. Mm -hmm. How does that start? How do those relationships start? Sure. How do you put together your marketing package? Mm -hmm. Versus like, here's our new privacy form. Yeah. You have to get the seller to sign here. <laughs> right. It's, it's just a waste of six hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, there there certainly is a, a, a better way of delivering it. And, and I think some of the... So it's a it's a kind of pass the buck mentality in a lot of in a lot of ways because the you know the council uh, technically the 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 brokerage is at, responsible to educate the agents and then the council is also trying to just uh, get some of the uh, foundational some of the foundational items uh, first but it is really the responsibility of the brokerage to uh, in 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 my opinion, it's responsible to the brokerage to educate their agents well and and to help them to uh, gain competency in in being an agent. Uh, no, it's not the council or the board's responsibility to do that, in my opinion. Um, and um, and so yeah, so I think it's uh, the, these classes because of the prevalence of um, brokerages that really don't offer very much. Um, I think the council has had to step in because of all the issues and problems. Um, that happened, um, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know, in our development committee about, you know, we got to make it more costly and more difficult to start a brokerage and to open, own a brokerage even to like, to have these kind of things in place and which is actually detrimental to me. Um, you know, but I think it's, it's, you know, some things to kind of think about. So we're trying to think of, you know, ideas. And so the, the de development committee obviously consults the um, uh, the board, the real estate board, uh, directors in, in a variety of different things, mainly kind of the, uh, the election process that they go through, but yeah, so I think it's, um, but it is a, a bit of a, 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 it, it's a challenging thing to, um, uh, 
to 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 educate in in that profession. Like I have friends that are dentists and lawyers yeah. and doctors, and their professional development is always, you know, they say pretty much a lot of the same things because people are midstream in their career. They're not really like you know as engaged, right? In 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 their in some of the elements of their education. The Oakland University. Not to touch on it too sure. much, but who is it beneficial for? Is it beneficial for the beginner? Because yeah. I've, we talk about this sometimes sure. too. I, I classify realtors in three categories. Okay. The beginner, right. the person that is just starting, trying to learn a bunch, sure. asking a lot of questions okay. about how to write a contract, yeah. all this stuff, usually takes you two years to get out of that sure. beginner stage. Then there's the competent realtor. Right. And that's where the majority of realtors are. And most of them will never get to the next category just because they don't necessarily have the drive. They don't care enough to get to the next category. Okay. And the next category is Rockstar, where you know a shit ton about construction. You are a negotiation expert. You understand how to deal with multiples, which I would say probably 96, 97% of realtors in Greater Vancouver have no idea how to deal with multiple offers. Mm-hmm. So those are my three categories. Right. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, Denny, <laughs> because Oakland University is for uh, found its foundational learning. It's for um, for beginners and the beginner class is what we say. It's for it's for newer agents. I think some experienced agents get a lot of value from it because there is a uh, an element of um, uh, of returning to the basics to to help to refresh. Uh, you know some. Some things you may have forgotten to do. Sure. Um, so the oh, so we have we actually have education on three different uh, segments, which is kind of interesting that you mentioned. So we're talking the same language here. So <laughs> we have our Oakland University, which is basically like a bachelor's program, right? And then we have our Oakland Master's program, which is for those competent agents that are, you know, maybe on the verge of potentially hiring a real, uh, sorry, hiring an assistant. Yeah. They're in that six-figure range that. They're competent agents. They know what they're doing, but they do want to get to the next level. And then we have our PhD program, which is for team leads and for like uh, busy agents, uh, medallion plus agents um, doing kind of, uh, you know, uh, doing quite a number of sales because we have different, there's different problem sets for each of those categories. And so, you know, obviously the beginner agent is looking to gain competency and knowledge. And just basic competency and knowledge, so they feel confident to be able to deliver the services of totally. of the of, of an agent. And, and and we were there. I was there. You were there. So there's nothing wrong with that. Dude, I was terrible. <laughs> yes, it was I. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, then you hit a certain level where you kind of know what you're doing, but you want to level up. Yeah. So that has different um, like types of education, like when to start PREC, like how do you hire a a, a licensed uh, an unlicensed assistant, yeah. like what's your marketing spend look like for when you start making any money, right? On like what percentages do you do and how do you allocate budgeting? Like this kind of stuff is not as crucial to a new agent. Sure. So, and then, you know, when you get to PhD, it's, it's, it's like, you know, team management, like how do you maximize and optimize your administrative assistant? Uh, like the most effective forms of, uh, um, uh, of marketing you know, that, that, that all the other team leads are doing introduction to working for developers. Like, um, how do you build different streams of income investment for, uh, for yourself through holding companies and tax planning? Like, so like there's very different, uh, different problems 
that people face. And it's good to have people that have been there, done that, so that you're not like siloed on an island trying to figure it out and fumbling it on your own. You know, there's many, I, I wish I had great open learning people that were contributing with me. I, I paid way too many taxes that I should have <laughs> not have paid. And if I had like, you know, a really smart person beside me, but I was just figuring it out on my own, right? Because yeah. that's what agents do. They figure it out on their own. And like, and if I knew someone like, you know, Robin Barton in our office, who's just like an awesome, hilarious and intelligent guy. I, I wish I knew him when I first got started and with his team and I, I would have learned so much more. And uh, so there's different problem sets. So we kind of try to, now it's different needs because you're t like the team, like where you're at, where, uh, you know, being in a leading team, a top producing team, uh, you don't have as much time. So you, your time is so crucial. So we offer PhD twice a year. That's just two, two times a year. Mm. Um, we offer um, uh, master's every quarter. And then, um, you know, uh, Open U is, is every quarter as well. So, yeah. So it's like, um, it's something that kind of, you know, we've, we, we've developed because it's, it's different, right? I think the collab is really important. And uh, even just like in the last couple of years, I'd say, I've tried to build some relationships with a few more like top producing people right. just to even just have a conversation yeah. with them, have someone on the podcast to talk, talk for an hour, right? Whatever it is. Then the relationship started. Then you feel like you can text them at any time. Yeah, right? sure. Hey, you know, whatever your name is, what <laughs> if, you guys are doing this. How did you start the, you know, whatever it is, right? It's funny that, uh, Lee and Peter, someone that I really like, oh, yeah. a team that I really respect oh, in, yeah. in our industry. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, yeah and honestly, I have nothing but good things to say about them. Mm -hmm. Pete, Pete and I, I'd say, like, call each other three times a year. Cool. Like, very rarely, but he, I remember he called me once this year. He's like, hey, there's this property, because, uh, like, there are a lot in East Van and right. Vancouver. Yeah. They, he had a buyer looking at a property in New West. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, there's this property in New West. It's listed at 1.2. What do you think? And yeah. I was like, what's the address? And he said it again. I was like, ah, oh, that place is a shithole. <laughs> like, I'd say like a million bucks max. He's like, really? Seems like it would be like one, three, one, four. It's like, nah, it's a million bucks. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, I got a buyer offering on that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the day of offers an hour yeah. early. I was like, yeah, there's six offers. I'm one of them. Sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i love i love uh our honestly it's an interesting industry that a lot of the uh i'd say the majority are not very interested in helping other people but the really good ones seem like they're very interested in just like if ele elevating the industry as a whole mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the idea of our real estate podcast and like everything that we do with social media right. is just sharing things sharing things that we learned, things that we screwed up on, mm -hmm. how we are doing things the way we, why we do the things the way we do and, you know, successes and failures along the way to help right. other people that didn't. I got into the industry in 2014 and there was literally zero resources that I felt like there was. Yeah. I was lucky to have Jamie to ask questions to. Right. But outside of Jamie, it was like, you're on a ship by yourself. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Yeah. I felt exactly the same way when I first started as well. and. um yeah, so, you know, we're obviously not perfect, but we try to, you know, we're trying to to 
to do those things and and to not make it as as much of a lonely business as it could be, mm-hmm. specifically when you first get started. And uh, yeah, just kind of looking at uh, you know how we can improve that whole experience for an agent with their with with their with their brokerage. But I remember being a, a new agent. <laughs> I remember being a new agent, and yeah, uh, kind of not having any support, going to my managing broker, and I was just kind of like a number to them. And uh, yeah, being really, um, being really disappointed, and yeah. yeah, and so we we just try not to have that happen to, to our to our crew. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Well, you probably can tell that I'm a tough critic. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's good. You know, I you know it's fun. Like actually, I in I only so I only care about the truth. I rather just get have it like known mm-hmm. straight away. And so that we can fix it versus kind of like what I find is that people, um, I guess they feel pity on me or they feel sorry for me. So they don't want to, they're like, oh, you know, that's good. But, you know, <laughs> I just would rather just be like, hey, your brokerage sucks. Yeah. This is why it sucks. X, Y, Z. I'm like, okay, we can fix it. Or that would be like better for me than like, you know, but, you know, people have been really nice. But yeah, I'm like excited. Uh, yeah. To, to see how, see how things go. Yeah. We're excited to be a part of it, man. I, uh, I, th- I would like to give you a, a slight compliment. Say you're one of the bigger reasons why we move are moving over. Oh, um, weird. <laughs> why I unbuttoned weird? my shirt here. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was something. <laughs> I think you're different in the industry. I think it's exciting. I think you're building a brand that is different. And it's... Um, if you're not going to start your own thing, you might as well be a part of what's the best thing out there, right? <laughs> and in Greater Vancouver, it seems like it seems like there's a bunch of brokerages that do things very old school, mm. and then there's a couple that are doing things new, and you guys are doing things the best out of the new. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, that's a great compliment coming from a skeptic. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah, and the the thing is, is that we're not you know, we're not fixed to to thinking that uh, we're doing everything perfectly because we definitely aren't. And that's and, what attracts me. Well, there's always room to improve, right? 100%. Like even for you guys, people look at it from the outside and, and they're like, man, you guys are killing it, doing your videos and cool stuff and listing this this week and that this week. But you know what it's like inside. What do I say when people tell me that? I'm like, we suck, man. Yeah. We're trying to get better. We're literally just at the start. Yeah. If you think of this as like a hundred step ladder, we're on step two. <laughs> we're we're right. slightly figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that's how, you know, our same, the, the white belt mentality, you know, you just got to continue to improve and, uh, and, you know, figure, figure things out. But be, you ha- like for me, and maybe it's a bit different for, for you guys, but it might be the same, um, but being surrounded with the right people is so important um, because they can bring you into a different trajectory. You know, I've learned so much by being surrounded with a lot of our agents at the office about, you know, um, different revenue streams, different ways of looking at the business, efficiencies, mm-hmm. specifically efficiencies, but also like, oh, I never even knew about this kind of uh, like element of the business. And, you know, like, you know, then I, I kind of case study it and I test it into my business. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you go through that experience and kind of see how, see how things run. Yeah. And, but that's, yeah, it's, it's really nice to see. So I'm excited to kind of get, get going on that, on that train with you guys, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah. 
I'm pumped. Yeah, I don't know. Where are we at here? A couple oh. months away. We should go. You gotta yeah. get home to uh, the new baby. Two hours, shit! <laughs>